this show are available on Podomatic.com and the Podomatic mobile app. Hey, it's time for Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit. And I'm Dr. Lisa. Thanks for tuning in. And I give a shit. You know, I was just listening to uh, Democracy Now! right before we got on the air. Did, Did you guys hear that? I mean, we're talking about concentration camps, you know, and that seems very real. Like they're saying, why are we calling these detention centers detention centers? They're concentration camps. They're concentration camps for children. Yeah, let's we got to get real about this, folks, because this is this is coming to your neighborhood soon and you don't even know it. Uh, Anyway, thanks so much for listening, listening in. Uh, I have this really, really amazing guest for you today, uh, Reverend Jen, Reverend Jen Miller, somebody who, uh, I've actually had a girl crush on her. I think she knows this. Hi, Rev Jen. Do you know that? I've had a girl crush on you for like ever, like since the 90s. And uh, she's incredibly uh, brilliant, talented, and uh, a great on-the-air guest. So, um, but before we get to Reverend Jen, I want to I want to uh, remind you that uh, you know uh, we have we have um, apps. We have apps that you can download. Radio Free Brooklyn apps. Did you know this? So you don't have to like be near your computer. You know, we all like listen to stuff on the go now. And the thing about Radio Free Brooklyn that's so great is that they have so many different options and so many different kinds of music and talk. And there's like you could just have fun finding like there's a lot of discovery to be had. So go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash iPhone if you have an iPhone or go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash Android android uh if you have one of those androids you know what it is don't you i'm not going to explain this to you um okay so before i get reverend jen on the line here i mean she's on the line but before we really get started let me just give you a little bit uh background so about her so uh you know what you know what we're dealing with okay because reverend jen is a totally um, there is no one like Reverend Jen. If you don't know who she is, I mean, you you might likely know who she is. But anyway, um, she is uh, an incredibly accomplished artist, performer, uh, people leader, char- charismatic person. Uh, she's written some books. A lot of her work, her books are handmade. She's published two books or five books or something like that. But a lot of her handmade works are also in uh, uh, museums like uh, MoMA and uh, just, oh, you have to go go and read the thing. But she did write this book, this one favorite book of mine, if like if I'm just going to push one thing and focus, like I'm like is which is good advertising, is a live nude elf. It's a genius book. It's one of my favorite books ever, and you can uh, get it wherever you get books. And uh, if you want to have some Reverend Jen experience, that's certainly a good one, although there are many, many other ones. So, uh, hi, Reverend Jen. Howdy. How are you doing today? I'm pretty good. I'm chillaxing in the AC in Brooklyn. In Brooklyn. That's nice. So you and I are going to have a chat, but if people do want to call in, we'll just tell them right now that they're welcome to 718-928-9222. Mm-hmm. 
718-928-9732. That's 718-928-9732. So, um, Reverend Jen, uh, you know, we were talking about you at the latest uh, Miss Subway meeting, Miss Subway hey. planning. So for those of you who are not initiative initiated, uh, I, Dr. Lisa, am the current Miss Subways. I won that title in a incredible uh, event that was uh, a benefit for the Riders Alliance and the City Reliquary. And Reverend Jen had a lot of had a big role in uh, in uh, making the whole thing happen. But beyond that, she created the incredible Miss Subway's crown. Which <laughs> I forgot I, about that. Which I have worn proudly in every Miss Subway's appearance. So, Reverend Jen, one of the things that we were discussing at the latest Miss Subway's meeting is what we would do about next year's crown. And so, I think we're going to have to ask if you will make another crown. Of course, I'd make another crown. Oh. I had a lot of fun doing that. I'm going to need a lot more little toy rats and roaches and things, though. Okay. All right. That's good, because (laughs) I was hoping I would get to keep the crown. (laughs) I think you should keep the crown. It would be wrong to try to take it away from you. Oh, well, you you know, that's how it works. That's how it works in these pageants, you know. I know. Yeah, but I... Yeah, I don't know. Mr. LES, we always make the Mr. Lower East Side give the crown back. But I think with Miss Subways, it's different because you've been rocking it. You know, Mr. Lower East Side pageant, I give them the crown and then they just do nothing with it. Okay, well, quite honestly, I have been rocking it and it's not in the pristine shape it was when I first got it. I mean, I'll just be honest with you about that. (laughs) And there was never claimed to be a professional crown designer. Well, you are. Uh, I never claimed to be a pro- we you know what I didn't have the staff to maintain the <laughs> crown that you know Miss Miss Universe has that's I think that's a big yeah. problem right there so well, I think we need to make a video of all of the special things that you've done as Miss Subways to show before you know you hand over your title oh that's an idea like helping the- people jump the turnstile or duck under it mm. going to MTA court fight for our rights to jump the turnstile. I, I like that idea. I guess I owe some money for ducking under. I like I, I like I like that idea. I like that idea. Like ways yeah. to beat the subway. A little teary eyed though, my year as Miss Subways has been so special. Here's what I've done, you know. Yeah, I've tried <laughs> to spread the word about the subways. People sure. seem to I have no problem getting people to take the subway. It's packed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I think you I have a lot li- of riders on there. I think I had from something. Point A to point B. I know. I think I might have had something to do with that. You should claim total <laughs> like that. It's totally you that got people to ride the subway. So it has nothing to do with the fact that it is basically the only viable form of transportation <laughs> to get from borough to borough. No, it's because I've been promoting the subways that now the ridership <laughs> has gone way, way up. And but, they look great, and they run so efficiently. Well, I, I have to tell you one thing that I did learn from being Miss Subways this year is that people really hate the subway. 
It took you being Miss Subways to figure that out? <laughs> well. Boy, oh boy. No, but see, the thing is, I thought that um, I, I didn't realize I am now a uh, party to some of the vengeance that people have to the Subways. Oh, no. Have <laughs> they, you been beaten up? Not, not, not physically, but emotionally. People think that I, I somehow can do something about fixing <laughs> they the subway. Like the subway. <laughs> exactly. It's like Miss Universe doesn't necessarily like the universe. Miss <laughs> America doesn't necessarily like America. No, and but we get a really angry Miss America. I know that would be I, so like funny. she answers every question with impeach. <laughs> right? Yeah. For the best pageant. You know what? I think I think that would be great. We should do a Miss America pageant and get like somebody who's really articulate about or we need a to platform. Like, what? Let's get like Rachel Trachtenberg, someone really young and cute that could ostensibly be a Miss America to run for it and actually get in the pageant and then just cause all sorts of mayhem. I would love that. Do you think right? we could get her to do it? Yeah, let's get Rachel to do it. She's perfect. She's what I like. Not she like actually is kind of perfect. She could and be really adorable. subversive. <laughs> yes, she would. We, we need to train, like, miscongeniality. Let's put an agent in, you know? Do you think that they do research where they actually find, uh, like, uh, where they would do background checks on her and find out, you know, she had, like, protested something? No. Well, they didn't with, what's her name, Vanessa Williams. <laughs> was that her name? Gwen Vanessa Williams. She was a, a classmate of mine at Syracuse. I mean, I didn't no know her way. then, but yeah. Most successful Miss America ever. Is that right? Well, she's been on television and in films and, you know. Well, yeah, you're right. She has a bad idea. Of, yeah, know? yeah. And she's, I think it was Hustler. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, uh, I don't know. Nowadays, you know, I mean, you can be the first lady and have appeared in a few lesbian films. So I guess maybe times have changed, right? Good point. <laughs> yeah. Remember, yesterday it was uh, Michelle Obama showing her bare arms. Woo! Now it's like... <laughs> but, you know, I got no problem with Melania posing naked I wish mm -hmm. I, and more people should no I, I just have a problem with the fact that she uh stands by her man I know I think Melania I call her a prostitute I don't like to say hooker because I no. think hooker's disparaging to real prostitutes well, yeah, prostitute and hooker is those words you know they generally mean you get the money up front <laughs> which I hope she did oh she yeah Whore, but I love whores too. I mean, no, you know what? It's sort of an insult to whores and hookers. I and know that's what I'm saying. A new, she's like a sugar baby. She's Even that's bad. I don't know. People no, do what they got to do, I but think... you don't have to go that far as to marry that beast. Well, the problem I have is the hypocrisy. Like she, right. if she, if she, I wish she would just come out and say. You know, I'm fucking Donald Trump because look at all I get for it. Mm -hmm. I'd be cool but with who that. Wants that. Well, now that we've psychoanalyzed Melania, <laughs> there's some deep rooted problems there. I don't know. Well, you know, I also think, you know, in all fairness, we we Americans, we in our in our uh, you know, 
in our no health care, but at least there's a lot of food banks and stuff. You know, there are resources yeah. here and we, whatever. Uh, we, we don't have to, get, we are not afraid of gangs. You can live without gang violence if you want to, even if you're homeless. And the well, thi- I'm not really afraid of anything. <laughs> Come at me. Yeah, no, I'm I know. I'm afraid of fear. No, I know. You are, you are, you are the original fearless person. Uh, no, but I'm afraid of fear. I have anxiety about just like walking across the room. <laughs> yeah, you've had oh anxiety, right? How yeah, is it that you're anxiety. so fearless, but you have anxiety? I find that because you really, I mean, you are very daring, no? I mean, you are. I tell us, so. tell tell us like something really that, I mean, from your perspective, what did you? What have you done that's daring? From your perspective, because everything, uh, from my perspective, <laughs> everything you do is daring. But from your I'm perspective, decided to become an artist. No, I mean honestly, maybe being a sex columnist and using my real name and owning it, you know, because you get um you get a lot of flack from people when you write uh extremely uh detailed accounts of your sex life okay well why don't you describe um you did it for science which i loved i loved that column so why don't you describe that and explain one of the tell us one of the like craziest experiences from doing that column okay well the column was with nerve.com and the idea behind i did it for science is that i would set about to do an experiment and do it very much in the scientific method you know i would have a hypothesis and then the lab and then the conclusion. But, but it was all about sex, going out and having a right. sexual experience. I had to do something, um, psycholo- or not psychological, sorry, I'm a little fried from the heat, sexual, you know. So, yeah, like um, the thing that, the one that you did that stands out in my mind, just to give our listeners an idea, is um, that you you were, you did a, you were a stripper at a club in some... <laughs> Really far, far, far place that like would have scared me just to take the subway. But that's just one that comes to my mind. So you go ahead. Yeah. So you were talking about scary trying walking in six inch heels, let alone dancing in them. I can't even put I think the most terrifying one, but the funniest one and the weirdest for sure is when I went to a lunar party. You know, lunars are balloon fetishists. They get off on balloons, whether it be, um, you know, inflating them or popping them, something about balloons. So I went to a lunar fetish party and I got inside a giant balloon and no one was paying attention and it started to deflate around me and I started to lose oxygen. And so I heard someone outside say, oh shit, and then they put the air vac hose back in. And then it was wonderful. Then I could totally understand, like, maybe not the sexual element, but, like, it was really fun being in a balloon. But I talked to a bunch of lunars, why do you have this fetish, you know, et cetera. But the whole idea was that it was more than just interviews. Like, just interviewing lunars might be interesting, but actually trying to participate yes, in that lifestyle. Exactly. And do something as extreme as, you know how hard it is to get inside a giant balloon? And I, I, I can't say, even imagine it. I, I can't like, even... Pick, I can't even picture it. You mean it's a it's literally like, a balloon? Yeah, it's like trying to get toothpaste back in the tube. You know, you have to like dive in with your hands. <laughs> you know, like, like you're diving into a swimming pool and then you're in and there's this hose going in with air in it. 
And it was kind of fun. And then a dude jumped in with me, and we were playing with, like, you know, the balloon and hugging and kissing. And it was actually very sweet. I did other crazy stuff. I mean, people would write really obnoxious comments. And the girl that, um, she was kind of my girlfriend at the time, mm-hmm. she was like, I hate these obnoxious comments. Let's do something even more pornographic. So then we went for female ejaculation. Oh, really? Like I was studying for the LSATs, you know. (laughs) I can figure this out. Did you go someplace for like a training thing or? No, I bought Seymour Butts' Complete Guide to Female Ejaculation, which is a real handy guide. Uh And then some things at Babeland that were useful in, uh, you know, the nubby G and finding the uh, G spot. G spot, like right. So do you believe yeah. in, is human, so what did you learn? Is is female ejaculation a real thing? Oh, it's real, all right. I had to turn, <laughs> to figure out how to turn off the faucet because I was doing laundry like every day. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so to speak. It's huh? named after Dr. Grafenberg. And if you put your fingers about one and a half inches and thrust upward inside of the birth canal, a.k.a. the vagina, you will find something that feels a bit like a walnut. And if you press it enough, Wow, and where does this stuff come out? Uh, it comes out of, like, basically, it's like the... the, it, it's the is uh, there a squirter the, hole? The, is there, like, a... the squ- urethral sponge. Uh. The urethral sponge holds all of this, like, female... Uh, ejaculate and then it's like a tidal wave my first one was not very impressive it was like a little splash that's funny (laughs) because i mean i've certainly i mean we know what you know getting getting you know it's like getting wet right isn't that what they call it but i always thought of that as sort of a sweating a sweating kind of thing like it's sweating yeah, it's in there. More of a, a faucet. But it's not. <laughs> Is that the same thing like just getting wet and female ejaculate? No, no, no. The urethral sponge is this part that like fills up. I'm no scientist. I'm not Dr. Graffenberg. Well, you know more than I do. <laughs> well, you know a lot more than I do about this. I became this. an accidental sex bird. Well, uh, I mean. <laughs> let's say or you know you know about the female body these are things that these are things that are important so I lived in one for many years and until i had that column didn't know all the things that i know now yeah of course and well i guess wasn't like sex was what i wanted to write about necessarily i mean i'd written a bunch of dirty stories and things before that but i never expected to sort of you know write about that in particular well the thing that i loved about the column in in particular in, in particular was you know there were so many things, but one of the things that I loved was uh, that you wrote about it in in like a hilarious, like a subtly hilarious and distant way so that uh, it kind of from the point of view of a scientist or somebody reporting on it, a reporter where it wasn't <laughs> like you were talking about it from a pleasure or a turn on point of view. You were talking about it totally like scientifically. It was great. <laughs> Well, somebody wrote me a fan letter that just said, I never laughed so hard while having a boner in my life. And I thought, that's kind of what I'm going for, you know? I mean, I hate this all, like, I'm writing erotica. I mean, I've written for Penthouse, and I've written stories that were designed specifically to bonerize or pitch pants tense or whatever. I know how to write erotica, but I thought that it was way more fun to write about it from a hilarious perspective and the other thing sometimes people would especially dudes would say to me 
oh, I'm so jealous you get paid to have sex. No, if I got paid to have sex, then I'd be a hooker. If I get paid to write, and <laughs> I wrote, you know, I wrote my ass off. But each of those columns was like, you know, over 3,000 words, and I had to work really hard at them, you know, to make them interesting. Because sex alone... Lots of people have it. Look at all the fucking people out there. You know, sex alone is not that interesting, to be honest. Well, and yeah. And so to make it interesting, I mean, I was getting carpal tunnel syndrome trying to find out what I was going to write about next. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> what am I going to do that's weird next? <laughs> so what was it like when you went out to that stripper place? Where was that? Wiggles in Wh- Queens. In Queens. <laughs> and this is a while ago where pe- no one ever went to Queens. That was, but like, what what part of Queens? I don't know, like, I don't know, some big street. I don't way out. Way- was it scary? Was it scary? I See, all I can think I of think- is I would have been so freaked out. I would never have done I it. I would have been way too afraid. I was more scared because I had really low self-esteem, right? And I'd just become a stripper years ago. I didn't know that, you know, you don't, I also thought you had to have really big boobs. <laughs> Yeah, right. No. And I also thought my body was not up to snuff to be a a stripper. Um, But I can dance. And so, you know, I guess that. Charisma, charm, beauty. Yeah, you got it. I had to to audition. Really? That was, yeah. And then they're like, okay, y'all, can you come back next week? And I came back like a couple days later and I hated it so much. Why? What was it like? Strippers. Strippers work like eight hours. I thought you show up and do a couple dances. And right, make right. Like a hundred bucks. I go home. Yeah, I work for like eight hours, and all the other women were mean to me. And I, <laughs> I snuck out. I had um, my buddy Bruce come in as like a fake customer because uh. I figured there is something. You know, you always you never want to do anything that's too risky. Oh not God, that. that's well, you know. that's not too risky (laughs) but you know to have a friend there and so I danced over to him I said I mean yeah it's fine five minutes and I had to like do a ninja escape from the strip club because I was like I'm here to write an article I didn't tell anyone but I was thinking I'm here to do a couple dances right about and get the hell out (laughs) wow so why were the other women mean to you were they did they did they see you as an interloper say or I'm not sure they would like try to have a conversation and I'm always trying to make friends with people. Yeah, you're the friendliest person ever. And then they they're like, Oh yeah, I know someone who's an Aquarius and just no way they just shut I, I got the steel door. <laughs> hmm. But in other columns people were super friendly and I had lots of fun, you know, so that but that one I was like, I kinda need a raise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you were also um you also wrote some really great articles for uh for Artnet. Yeah, Artnet sort of saved me because um after so I had started having a monogamous relationship toward the end of my nerve tenure and the person I was with he did not want me to write about us and I thought, oh. you know, I've always chosen art over everything in my life. I've always chosen writing over everything, blah blah blah. I'm gonna choose having a stable relationship and nerve was they were not cool with that oh you know and it was you can't really have a sex columnist who can't write about their sex life you know they were honest and so um so i got canned so to speak or they mm-hmm. canned mm-hmm. my end of the column people still do that column on nerve i think really? but um mm. 
I thought, well, what do I know about other than sex now? <laughs> I know about art. And I remembered that Walter had bought Walter one of my Robinson. drawings when I, mm, when I worked at um, Modern Culture and had a show at Printed Matter, like around 2003 or something. And I thought, I'll just write to Walter and I'll pitch this idea that because so much of their writing came from the perspective of art critics, I thought, so many artists read that website to find out about art world goings on and things like that, that wouldn't it be interesting to have it from the perspective of a totally, basically, financially unsuccessful artist? <laughs> it took me a couple, like, nudges to Walter to get me to, you know, to, and then um, Jerry Saltz actually wrote to Walter and said, oh, I love Jen's work. I've been following her since she was at Nerve, you know? <laughs> so he got really good feedback on the first article and, um, you know, God bless people who emailed them because then I was able to write for them for, I don't know, four years or something. And, yeah, so what you know, did you do? Did you go around seeing, like, the under, the underside of the art world, or what was that like? Sometimes I would write about my personal life as an artist and, and my frustration, and other times I would... I would, like, go to shows, but I always tried to make it experiential journalism, if you will, mm -hmm. where it's like, here was my night on the town, you know? So right. it's all about my favorite subject, myself. <laughs> <laughs> With Everyone's. the being secondary. Sometimes I push it, like... Hello? Did we lose Reverend Jen? Holy shit. Okay. Reverend Jen? Reverend Jen? So this is what I'm going to do, folks. I'm going to hang up right now, and we're and I know that Reverend Jen's going to call back in a minute. And in the meantime, I'm just going to vamp. I'm going to tell you what's going on. No, you know what I'm going to do? It's time for a station break for gut. Oh, hello, hello. Oh, you're back. I was just going to do. I am. I was just going to do a station break. So why don't I do that? Because it's time anyway. Okay. No, no, hold two. on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Do you know what, um, this is what I want to promote. First of all, uh, thank you for listening to Radio Free Brooklyn. This is Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit. I'm here with uh, Reverend Jen. Reverend Jen, say hello. Howdy. How That's great, Reverend Jen, say, like, tell us how great Radio Free Brooklyn is. It's, Radio Free Brooklyn is pretty awesome. It's a great <laughs> station, right? It's a great station. My pals, Tom and Rob, everyone, basically, Radio Free Brooklyn is like the WKRP of Cincinnati if everyone was <laughs> existential. There you go. I love that. As a, I love that. That's <laughs> got to be our new theme line. But you know what I wanted to tell people about also is this show. You should come to this, Rev Jen. Uh, it's, hmm. um, anyway, it's going to be at Pine Box on Monday. And it's a it's uh a, it's by Tom Gallo, one of our hosts who does who who's like a record geek, record music, like a genius music record geek knows everything and everybody. He's a record collector, Co record collector. <laughs> Do you? Oh, you're friends with him, right? Or you I know him? Know. You don't I'm know. Really you guys are friends <laughs> on Facebook, anyway. So but Tom, we're friends. That's real life. That's real. That's his friend. That counts. It counts for something. Yeah. Anyway, let uh. me tell you what this is. Um, it's uh, supposedly a revenge 
uh, banned by Donald Trump because he wound up hating the Beatles because they had too many chicks or something like this. this is what this is what he says. He referred to them as the loser Beatles. And now they now there's this band, uh, according to Trump, all lyrics for, for the Trump Beatles were written by Trump himself with absolutely no influence from any of the original Beatles songs, though some may argue that similarities exist. So I think this band is going to be awesome. And it's uh, Monday night. Awesome. Doesn't it sound fabulous? So the it's Beatles go- are my favorite band, but maybe Loser Beatles might be my second favorite band. I think it would be really good. I think it sounds great. Hello? Uh, yeah, so anyway, they're going to be at Pine Box Rock Shop, Morgan Train, Mor- L-, L Train to the Morgan Stop. Monday, July 9th, starting at 9 p.m. And it's free, which is crazy. So, free? If it's free, it's me. Yeah, you got to come. You got to come. I, I think everybody... Doesn't it sound really, really good? It sounds great. I'm going to dress as like a crazed girl from the 60s. <gasps> it's like... That's ah! a great like idea. That's a great idea. Someone should carry me off on a stretcher. Yes, <laughs> we need screaming and crying fans. Totes. Yeah. Okay. This. I think it'll be a really good release. I like crying. Yeah, I think so. You know, I have well, trouble the- crying. Do you ever have? To, yeah, I'm. I like want to cry so many yeah. times, and I just can't cry. Does that ever happen to you? Yeah, sometimes it does, and then my default emotion is anxiety and panic. So oh. crying. Whenever I cry, I'm happy because I go, oh, that means I won't have a panic attack. <laughs> I'm oh, crying. Because you get it out. Well, I think that, but you, I mean, is it like the anxiety just blocks the sadness? I think that when you find that you have an inability to express certain emotions like anger, I'm real bad at expressing anger. Mm. I'm real bad at expressing sorrow. Certain things that are, the, I think, the most difficult to explain to people, that then you just settle for anxiety. <laughs> like, I'm anxious. I used to have this little picture of a kitten with newspapers all around it on my wall that said, the more I think, the more confused I get. And I think that's straight up. Sometimes I outthink my sadness or something like that. But I do a lot of crying, not lest anyone out there think I'm happy. No, no, no. But, <laughs> but I don't want to give the wrong impression. Oh, well, I think people, you know, I mean, you definitely cheer other people. You're good. You're great at cheering other people up. And that's a, that, that's a really Ooh. valuable. So you said you had low self-esteem, which we we people have a hard time understanding. We we people that see you because you seem uh, you have, you know, a lot going. How could you have had low self-esteem? And then this is what people want to know, right? I mean, you have low self-esteem, but yet you could go out and do all that. Well, I think having low self-esteem frees you up to do all sorts of things because you honestly, at one point, you just stop caring. Ah. Whatever. (laughs) Fine. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, when I was 16, the cool kids in my neighborhood, and I was kind of a cool kid. I was a jock, you know, Mm -hmm. but not like popular cool. I was 
that was pretty cool, though. But I was also a total art fag, right? Mm-hmm. And the, the cool kids in my <laughs> in my high school that were a year younger than me actually painted "You are a art fag" in giant letters on the street in front of my house. Of course, there was a grammatical error. It should have been an art fag. But I always think that that was like, my reaction was far from horror. It was like, well, now I'm the most famous artist on my block. (laughs) (laughs) So he had to come and gravel over it. It was sort of a a pivotal moment in my career as a young artist. That's that's awesome. So you were like, (laughs) being an artist is great because you make up, uh, you get other people... You get yeah. So as a shrink, I would say that you got other people to express your anger for you. It must have been very satisfying. Yeah, sure. You know that's true. Actually, I think part of an an artist is your conduit for other people's emotions to a certain extent. Yeah, you know you you subvert them into your art, and then other people can experience them. Right. I that's mean, a good I insight. Certainly. When I paint, like, uh, I'm looking right now at a painting of Reverend Jen Jr. as a pirate that I painted, you know, just a few days after she passed into dog heaven. And I painted it because I was in grief. And the as long as I've been alive, basically, could walk and talk. I've been a painter and a writer. And um, painting it gave me a sort of facility to let that sorrow into something beautiful. Hmm. Yeah, you're. I see you as a real optimist. Would you say you're an optimist? I think. <laughs> like I, I mean, I in in a, in a, like even when even like under extreme circumstances, do you do you see yourself that way? Oh yeah, I'm the person you'd want next to you in a war. For sure. Yeah. I'd be like, we'll figure out a way out of this. For sure. <laughs> Car broke down because of the heat. I'm just going to pray. It'll so, happen. You notice just um, what uh, what really uh, in, in case in case uh, you listeners out there don't know. Uh, I had interviewed Reverend Janet several years ago for a project for uh, the Brooklyn Academy of Music, and there's this one story that I want you to tell again, if you if you if you would, that I think really uh, demonstrates how. Uh, Fear, where some of that fearlessness came from, and I think it has to do with your dad. God bless yeah. him. And uh, I remember what happened, how he handled it when your house got flooded. Do you, you know what I'm talking about? Oh, the steam pipe explosion? Yeah. where your Oh, house- no, the, the house in Maryland, our childhood home, when yeah. it got flooded. Will you tell us that yeah. story? Oh, good. Okay, so go our ahead. Our house was constantly flooded. Okay, well, Montgomery tell us County, how many Maryland. kids you had and how big the house was. Set this. I have, I have three older brothers and an older sister, and it was this sort of Brady Bunch house, but it was five stories because it was built on a hill. The basement was, like, way real, like, you know, it's basement, but it was just constantly getting flooded to the point where we had, like, mushrooms growing down there, not the fun kind. And my dad... Your dad was, was a judge. Like, I want people to know this, too. It <laughs> yeah. wasn't like your dad was, like, a crazy hippie. Your dad was, like, a judge, right? He was much crazier than a crazy hippie. But he a really, But a real artist. But, yeah, he but was function, high-functioning <laughs> human who was also an artist and a judge. He was, but he, um, he got out rafts and like, I only know most of the stuff from my older siblings, you know, cause 
they have a better memory of the events that happened in our childhood because they're older than me. But that, yeah, we rafted around in the flood. <laughs> it wasn't like a crazy flood. Like the floods that happened in Maryland a month ago, then you don't want to screw around. But it was like, you know, maybe a foot of water. But like he didn't do the panic thing like most parents where they where they go nuts. They uh, yeah. he actually just handed all the kids floats and made it fun. Yeah. I mean, how it fabulous is that? Chill. <laughs> so it you can be very chill, you know, and I think, well, he's a war veteran. He was in the Korean War and he lived a pretty interesting wildlife. So I think that things that when you're a kid and you think these are catastrophic events, so it's like, no way can I deal with this. He, he was always a voice of reason, but also a voice of like buffoonery you know he did not appreciate pretentiousness in any form he didn't suffer fools so he liked that fun and just you know what else are we here you know when you're on your deathbed you know if you're lucky enough to have a bed you're you're not going to be wondering like did i do all of the right things no you're going to be like did i have joie de vivre was my life fun did i you know live it to its utmost potential in terms of yeah, what I experience in the now on a day-to-day basis. Hey, you know, um, Reverend Jen, will you do an experiment with me right now? Mm-hmm. Um, so somebody is trying to call in, but since I call, since we are on this phone, because uh, I couldn't get you on the other phone, on my personal phone, uh, we can, I can't. Let's hang up, see if we okay. and stay and listen, and then uh, see if that person, whoever it is, can call in and ask the question, and then. We'll put you back. How's that? Oh, this technology. So just call me, I guess, when... No, no. Can you listen to us? And then when I hang up, call back. When I hang up with the person who... We're going to give that person a chance to call in. So I'll I'll vamp while you hang up and wait for that person. Okay? Okay. Okay. And then call me back when when I say. I'll I'll cue you over the mic. It's a okay, very now I gotta interesting... turn on my radio free Brooklyn. <laughs> okay, turn on your radio free okay, Brooklyn. Listen in. Okay, so I'll talk to you in a bit. Okay. Okay. So somebody's been trying to call into the station. I can tell. Uh, do you want to try right now if you're listening? Uh, this is a little bit. We can do this because it's radio. You know what I love about the station, and I say this—I say this at every every meeting, every every chance I get, every radio-free meeting. I mean, not just any meeting, but um, this is what I say. I say that the best thing about doing this show is that, unlike a lot of other creative endeavors that you do with other groups and other people, you, you know, you're being judged. And being evaluated on all sorts of things. But, you know, like how much money are you bringing in or how many listeners or how much are you, you know, doing doing for us? But in this with this station, it's really about uh, the community. And we have like the best group of people and everyone really participates in helping out and doing you know we don't we non it's a non-profit so we just all do more than our shows we look out for each other and it's cool because i've never been involved i've always been like when i i've always been like somebody that's worked alone on stuff so i particularly appreciate being part of this station 
So, Rev, that person's not calling in. We gave them our chance, so why don't you call me back, okay? So we'll have Reverend Jen call in a minute. I'm telling you, this woman has done everything. She, 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 um, she is truly fearless. Uh, anyway, I think that, uh, we may play, we may play a song while we get Reverend Jen back on the line. So I think A Man Without Love is the right song. What do you think? No? Uh, how about, uh, Let's see, let's see. Oh, wow. Reverend Jen, are you there? Holy shit. Where did she go? Uh, this is what's happening now. I'm trying to manage all the, uh, all the music and everything all at once and trying to get in touch with Reverend Jen which is really overwhelming for me. I'm afraid I'm going to lose my listeners. Don't, don't, don't. Uh, um, so, okay. Jesus, Reverend Jen, what happened to you? Call back. Call back. Let's see. I'm going to call her right now. All right. Okay, let's try calling her. Let's try calling her. Let's do this. Let's try calling her from this. Oh, wait. Okay, I'm going to. Okay. Okay, there we go. There we go. Um, Reverend Jen? Hey. Hey. Yeah. I had to uh, actually, like, my internet went down because <laughs> I was trying. I had the sound turned down on Radio Free Brooklyn. I have a really bad effect on technology. Oh, God. Well, you know, you and me together really got some slowed down time here. I hope that... So uh, no one had a question? Well, whoever was go- trying to call in didn't call in. But I promise you, you know what? I hope Tom doesn't find out about this. I'm in so much trouble here. I really screwed this up. I'm going to go home. I promise you, people. I'm going to go home and like find out how to manage this better for next time. And I apologize to you, Reverend Jen, for being so uh, incompetent about the technology. I'm incompetent about I feel bad about my pajamas. I feel bad about myself. Do you think people are being critical of me? I'm feeling really, I hear my mother yelling at me right now, like I didn't prepare right or something. Do you think she is? She's dead, but do you think, I feel like she's yelling at me. Oh, so wait, but people should call into the 718 number, right? Yeah. I don't know how this works. I don't know. You know what? I never, I don't usually take callers because I have so many people. I usually have people in the studio. But we uh, were trying something special today that I wasn't ready for. That's all. And I just want you to know, like, people should know that things go wrong. That's what I hate about um, editing. When you watch... I like watching live TV, even if it's the news or the Today Show or something, because on those shows, things always go wrong. 
And then when you yeah, watch, well, right? They sure did at the Today Show. What happened? I love watching. Oh, Matt, wasn't that what Matt Lauer was on? Uh, what do you? Yeah, what happened? Wasn't he accused of like sexual harassment or something? Yeah, but that's I love not watching the. That's oh, not when I'm he was saying, on live. He I know. He didn't I mean, harass live. <laughs> I know. That would have been more interesting. That would have no, been great. I love watching the It's Not, I Don't Have to Look at Matt Lauer's Face Anymore show. I know. But, I hated him. I never liked him. I hated him. him. Hoda's so much better. I know. He, say, you know what? I'm tired of people like firing people or whatever for things that they should have obviously been fired for, but they could have just rubbed it in a little bit more by being like, we're firing you because you suck. You know, also, you happen to have all these allegations. No one likes looking at your face in the morning. How did he even handle, like, how did he even handle it? Do you know? Like, how, how did, did he, even he ma- get to be a newscaster? Well, like, he's like the least charismatic, most unattractive I know exactly. individual. With apparently, like, a sexual fetish for fucking harassing people. Well, you know, like... It why are you on the air? Why do I have to look at you? I love of, the Today you Show. You know why? Because of Brian Gumble and Jeff Zucker. I know this for a fact because I used to be a Today Show junkie and uh, a long, long, long time ago. And uh, after Brian Gumble was leaving, Brian Gumble was really good friends with Jeff Zucker and he wanted uh, uh, Matt Lauer to replace him because they were bro brothers, sports guys together. And Matt Lauer was so incompetent and so un un uncharismatic and like <laughs> disgusting. And after he got older, he looked really gross, just repulsive. Yeah. I mean, everyone rips and or talks about what female newscasters. Like, you know, look like, why can't we just say, like, Matt Lauer was ugly? We should have gotten rid of him. (laughs) Like, I actually think that everyone thinks the world's becoming meaner, and there are terrible things happening, but I think people should be even meaner. Like, everyone was like, I found that the one thing that made me piss off both um, liberals and right-wingers, you know, I would consider myself, like, basically a an anarchist wishing we could have a monarchy so someone would just pay me to sit around and paint all day. But anyway, um, I'm a registered Democrat and probably a Mm -hmm. pretty moderate Democrat politically, Mm -hmm. if anyone would like to know. Um, But was that when people were like, yay, go, everyone kick Sarah Huckabee Sanders out of this restaurant. And um, um, John Foster was like, well, that's not very compassionate. You know, that's not seemingly what liberal people would do. And, and then some liberals were like, you know, oh, that's terrible. It should be, you know, people should be compassionate. And then right wingers were like, damn those liberals, you know, all them Mexican-speaking people. And I was like, they should have kicked her out because she was fat. She didn't need more cheese. Like, sorry, we're taking this cheese plate away from you. Get out. And that's super mean. But what if we all went that direction? It might be fun. Well, like instead of, well, see, instead the- of being compassionate and stuff, you're like, no cheese plate for you, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. And then it removes all doubt about why she's being 
removed from a restaurant. <laughs> I totally, you know? I totally agree. Like, why are why are we not <laughs> calling people out? Like, why are why are people just not saying to to Donald Trump that's a lie? Here's the facts. Like, why aren't like this is yeah. what bothers me? They say that on the news or MSNBC. That's what you know the crap I pay attention to. And they'll say it behind his back, but why, why, why is that not like more part? Why is that not more directly? Why does that not cut? Why is that not out there in a more direct way? Exactly. I mean, people have become pussies. That's a problem on both sides. I want to start like the, well, I hate to use pussy in the pejorative. You know, I know. I do it too, though. I do it too. Vaginas or vulvas or what you will are all good, right? But, uh, Actually, without the word pussy in the pejorative, the English language would be a lot less interesting. Just like, oh, are you guys FCC? Can I say all the bad words? I mean, I love them. They're part of my lexicon, you know? I'm, right. I'm half, my mom's from Scotland. You don't think I grew up with the filthiest mouth on the planet? And then my father being a University of Maryland <laughs> fan, like watching basketball, screaming the F word at the top of his lungs. I grew up with a filthy mouth. But I think that we need to, on on both sides, stop being pussies, you know? Even, like, the neo-Nazis with their tiki torches really, like, raided a pottery barn, and that's badass. Like, I'm not calling for people to be, like, violent or anything. I'm right. simply saying people on the air should say what they think, you know? I agree, I mean, and uh, I don't think it. I don't think it's even. I don't think it has to even be nasty. I just think it needs to be factual. I'm sick of these euphemisms. Well, then, I mean, yeah, okay. So, fatness. I'm not a fattest. Okay, fattest. You mean <laughs> against all. fat people? Yeah. No, I. But the thing is, Trump called Kim Jong Un fat and short. Well, that's the fucking pot calling the kettle. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah, at like, least he doesn't look like he's been wearing goggles to a spray tan every <laughs> Like, I wish I was, like, in North Korea to teach Kim Jong-un some, like, yo mama jokes, you know, to just throw it <laughs> Like, no one, like, and Hillary being like, when they go low, we go high. No, everyone, be infantile. I want it to be like, a, there's your boyfriend debate. I want there to be a dance-off. I want people, <laughs> you know? It's like without hurting anyone, but like when you're bullied and you're a little kid and you're pipsqueak and someone, my brothers called me fathead like every day. I could take it, you know, right. and I'm not even in politics. Right. I'm a freaking artist. There's artists who are like, I take my work so seriously. Oh, God. And they're you, all weepy yeah. about it. Like, shut up. That's why we it get shows. along. You and I are the same that way. This bullshit like, taking yourself care. seriously. <laughs> Yes, the people taking themselves seriously is a big problem right now, I think, personally. Oh, My yeah. Well, it always has been. Yeah, actually, and that's why we need more buffoonery. You know, we need more stuff like the loser Beatles. And, you know, satire has never been more needed. Or, you know. Yeah, but and, and I actually, I think that there are a lot of writers and poets and that kind of thing that they sort of put down comedians. Like, it's this low level of... of of art, but yeah. I think right now comedians are the ones that are making the most cutting edge art. Like 
I agree. I have, I have said the same thing. I have said exactly the same thing. That that's that's like where all the innovation is coming from. The best writing, the best sort of yeah. monologues, etc. And they they're I the mean, and they're the ones who are taking most of the heat, like Michelle Wolf, and you know, yeah, they're getting the most notice, well, but taking the most heat. Well, I've just you know now that we got like Hulu and a couple other things because I'm trying not to go out as much, you know, mm-hmm. trying to be less of a party girl and more of a TV watching person in their pajamas. <laughs> Which is a different I, kind I just, of party. Yeah, I just started watching Breaking Bad and oh. I binge watched it for two weeks and I'm on season five now. And to me, also, in my totally unprofessional opinion as the greatest television critic that ever lived, mm-hmm. I think it's one of the best things I've ever seen on TV because it's just dissecting capitalism what's Mm -hmm. going on right now Mm -hmm. how people get dragged into it people taking themselves Mm -hmm. too seriously all the things that are going wrong Mm -hmm. i mean who knows if art can change anything if it can change the world but you know right but you know you know what's really interesting it's so hard to enact change anywhere in especially in the government but donald trump Mm -hmm. has enacted change bigger than anyone else and i'm not saying in any way that's positive necessarily but i do find it remarkable about how he has changed our society don't you think absolutely i remember um on the brink of the iraq war first big protest in dc going down there there's thousands and thousands of people you know just and for me it was very basic it is wrong to invade another country we have no proof that they have weapons of mass destruction, period. And a fucking right. story. Why are we going to war? And the lack of outrage outraged me. And now it seems that outrage is just sort of this everyday thing, even though there are some very basic things to be definitely outraged about right now. Right. The, human right, the thing that you played before about the concentration camps, the detention centers for children, obviously. I don't, I mean, I wish we could just invade them, you know, yeah. and, and other things like environmental disaster, you know, what we, people died in Montreal this week from heat stroke, you know, like no one seems to be talking about the environment enough. I mean, there's things, but what am I going to fucking do? I'm just an artist, you know, well, I can be outraged. I can make art that addresses it. I can figure out every tube of paint I use. I'm like, oh, it's a tube. Well, I think think the thing is, is that we all like everybody has can we all have to do the thing that we can do. But I also think that Donald Trump has opened up this avenue for people to talk more candidly. And the only person that's doing it is him. And so he's always going to win because he has no rules. The people with the less rules win. And so he's always going to, he has such an advantage because he can say whatever the fuck he wants. But we can all say... It's a Machiavellian strategy to the person with the less rules wins. I mean, that's straight out of, you know, Machiavelli. Well, like he's using that. Yeah, but... Um, but we, but like, why aren't why aren't the newscasters being just as blunt or just as honest? They're afraid of losing their jobs. We're the all they're all pussification. You know, when I think the pussification of America started, when? I wrote an essay about this like twenty years ago with Scrappy Doo. Remember? No. Right? Okay, you had Scooby Doo. Everyone loved. He was like a beatnik dog that just wanted Scooby snacks. You know, and his best friend was a stoner, Shaggy. 
Well, then they bring uh-huh. along this little tiny, cuter Scooby-Doo. Well, Scooby-Doo was cute enough already, but they bring along the one that's all feisty, and it's like, put up your dukes, and they tried to make it all cute, you know, without realizing that it was just annoying. So <laughs> it's sort of the way I feel about newscasters right now. They're not brave enough, is for sure, except for the ones that are actually like, you know, a lot of journalists have you do go missing in... Yeah, they're brave in that like way. That. Well, that's a. Di- I mean, you can't say they're not that's brave, a right? That's a whole of different, different thing. People, but it's it's also the networks or or whatever the because they they're afraid of getting fired as anybody who has a decent job would be, but they but it's because the networks or their bosses, the people running these n- news store newsrooms, won't let them. I mean. Yeah. They have too many rules. Yeah, too many rules. So we need, yep. what we need is we need like more, well, I guess there we need, there are publications or whatever, or sites or whatever, voices that don't have that many rules, but we need somebody, we need some, we need some outspoken people who are not as, as, pol- we need, we need, we need some rude, we need rude people. That's what we need, Reverend. Yeah, Jane. exactly. We need more so rudeness. Trump is the rudest person ever. And, you know, I've noticed, like, okay, he misspelled poor. You know, people pour over my books. And he wrote it like you're pouring a drink or something. Right, yeah. Well, the problem is that most people are C students. They don't look up to good spellers. No. Like, no one's going to follow you because you spelled the sentence right. No one is going to follow you because you did this. So he appeals to a, a, a large group of people that maybe are not academics, you know? Right, I or mean, don't right value now, that. I think, you know, it says a lot for America, you know, that his approval ratings are so low. But I think that right well, now... Well, they're high in certain cases. <laughs> in some cases, but I think um, a lot of people are befuddled as to what to do. Um, me... If, you know, I am. What right. do I do? Right. Other than protest. And look where protesting, you know, got us when we were protesting the war. We're still at war. <laughs> I, you know, I don't even remember how many years ago that was. And people have died because of it. And that was the real collapse, I think, when it felt like, you know, voices were not being heard at all. Yes. Pro- you know, yes. It was like you can scream and scream and scream and you feel like nobody's listening. And you're just running into a brick wall. Yes. But there's there's going to think I think you're right that, you know, he's a piece of shit, but he's opened up channels for people to uh to Ex- really to be more honest, about be more... some of the root problems. Yeah. Well, I just think people need to be more honest and we can't just we we got to stop dancing around the shit. But you know what? Yeah, I like, loved ooh, having I thought you misspelled something. We have yeah. to we have to go because we only have a minute left, and I want to tell people about the next show that's coming up with Elon Danziger. So awesome. I just want to say um, I'm going to let you go, and I'm going to say I loved having you on. Thank you so much, and it, you're that's a blast. Right. You're a blast. I'm, I'm, I'm glad I could be there, even though I'm not really there. No, and you I'm were sorry, here. Technology did not work in our favor, but hopefully I'll see you at Loser Beatles. Yes, really everybody great. must come to Loser Beatles. That's Monday. <laughs> great. That's Monday, July 9th. Pine Box, be there. 
Okay. All right. Stay tuned you, for Lisa. Elon. Take care. Okay. Bye. Love Bye. You. Love you too. Stay tuned for Elon Danziger. Lost and Rewound. He's hilarious. He has great music and great stories and great guests. And he's really competent. He's